Hello, I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article and we talk about what we find. Dan, what are we talking about this week? This week, Simon, I'm thrilled to say we are talking about Poet's Corner. You randomly clicked the yeah. button and this is the first one you got. How amazing. Wow. Okay. Uh, what is Poet's Corner, Dan? I get the impression you're rather excited to talk about this one. I'm so glad you've asked. Poet's Corner is the name traditionally given to the section of the south transept of Westminster Abbey because of the high number of poets, playwrights and writers buried and commemorated there. Oh my god, it's perfect! It's perfect. It's the perfect storm. Um, I've been to Poet's Corner. I will have been past it. I have been in Westminster Abbey, but I've never sort of looked around and, and, you know, had a look at the graves and everything. But, wow, okay, well, what is it like? Before we go dive into the article, what is your personal experience of Poets Corner like, Dan? Can you describe um, it? I mean, my personal experience of Poets Corner couldn't couldn't help but be separated from my first experience being in the Abbey, um, which was slightly overwhelming. Um, mm. it's, an, it's an amazing space, and to find a little part of that space that's is just so in line with with me and i'm and so many names that i can go oh my goodness that's you know whether it's a commemoration or an actual or an actual burial um mm. it was um it was quite i think it's fair to say a profound moment um so so I, who is i thoroughly enjoyed it so who is in poet's corner then so who can you remember seeing jeffrey chaucer certainly and in fact in this second paragraph it it reads the first poet interred in poet's corner was geoffrey chaucer Mm -hmm. um uh there are also commemorations to uh i know larkin is there and i think there's a dedication to shakespeare as well so is chaucer actually buried there or is it just a sort of memorial like a dedication i think he's actually buried there when was westminster abbey built um it was built I'm, I'm glad you asked. Let me just... Uh... The building itself was a Benedictine monastery church until the monastery was dissolved in 1539. Between 1540 and 1556, the abbey had the status of a cathedral. Right, okay, so they would have... It was after Chaucer. I was just thinking yeah. about it, because it is. it looks Tudor slash Elizabethan kind of hmm. in style. So, okay, I was a bit confused. Right, okay. So so you, you've been there, and... I have. It, it's... It, the app, it's obviously very atmospheric and it was quite a profound experience, but what does the Wikipedia have to say about it? So as I said, the first poet interred in Poet's Corner, Geoffrey Chaucer, uh, owed his 1400 burial in the Abbey in, uh, in front of St. Benedict's Chapel, more to his position as Clerk of Works of the Palace of Westminster than his fame as a writer, which is pretty cool. I didn't know that he was Clerk of Works of the Palace what of Westminster. That, what does that mean? What, what does that he's, in charge, he's in charge of the kind of maintenance and upkeep of the building. Oh, and so will often like... and will often kind of coordinate the stonemasons and. Are you telling me that a... Geoffrey Chaucer was a groundskeeper? Basically, yeah. Wow, which is okay. Which is you learn cool. something new every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I think I can find burials. Here we are. Robert Browning. I'm trying. I'm trying to go through names that people will recognise here. Geoffrey Chaucer, Charles Dickens, George Frederick Handel. He's in Poet's um, Corner. Or certainly buried in uh, buried in the building. He's right. he's he's in the um he's in he's in the page of Poets Corner, so I'd imagine that it, his burial is close enough to 
poet's corner for it to be for it to well, be counted, so, yeah. so we should probably actually just explain for people perhaps we've, we've missed a trick here uh, for those of you who are not from the uk um westminster abbey is the uh, the large church building that is near the houses of parliament in the dead center of london and has historically just been associated with british culture and it's been associated with the royal family and for example kate and william got married there we oui. We I chef. think, yeah, um, and 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 it's it's just like in in a way, it's kind of one of the hearts of like um, the Church of England, basically. Mm. Like, obviously, there is Salisbury Cathedral, which is technically the the heart of it, I guess. Mm. Uh, and there's St Paul's Cathedral, which is just the biggest. Um, but this is because of its proximity to power has a special place, and so a lot of famous people are buried there. So it's not just poets. You, uh, Isaac Newton is buried there. Um, I think Stephen Hawking is actually interred there as well. Um, like loads and loads of people, but there is this concentration of poets and, and musicians and stuff. So yeah. for those and, of you who are lost about that, most most famously, it is the traditional place for. The coronations of of monarchs and the burial for oh yes yeah that's, oh that's were they pretty... buried there I didn't realize yeah. they were buried there yeah that's quite an important detail I don't know how I missed that one <laughs> uh, here we go so just just quickly a little tidbit on uh, on the abbey um, there have been sixteen royal weddings at the abbey since eleven hundred only as 16? the burial site yeah wow royal royal truly royal weddings um, as the burial site of more than 3,300 persons, usually of prominence in British history, including at least 16 monarchs, eight prime ministers, poets, laureates, actors, scientists, military leaders, and the unknown warrior. Westminster Abbey is sometimes described as Britain's Valhalla after the iconic hall <laughs> of the chosen heroes in North mythology. Which is oh, cool. what a cool way of describing it. That's awesome. Britain's Valhalla. It's, 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 it's Viking inspired, but instead of mead, it's just tea. And um, interestingly, much like Exeter Cathedral, uh, the building's patronal saint is St. Peter, um, which was celebrated uh, this, this this weekend just gone on Sunday. It was the Feast of St. Peter. So Exeter was celebrating with uh, all, with the Abbey on that day. All the best things are named after St. Peter, Dan. It's Absolutely. Nine. Yes. Um, well, not that I'm biased or anything. Um, no. But wow, okay. So, so what else is there about the? So, so we started with Chaucer, and then, and then, but you said that he wasn't interred there because of it, but he was a grounds. Sorry, it wasn't wasn't because he was a poet, but because he was a grounds. More because of his service to that. Yeah, um, yeah. There's also an enormous collection of First World War <laughs> collection is probably a slightly insensitive <laughs> word. Um, uh, First World War poets. But which uh, is but quite when cool. did it start being the place for artists? Was it immediately after Chaucer? Like, when did it become known as the place for poets to go when they died? I'm going to have to do a little bit of... Of, of digging. Wiki, a wiki digging, yeah. Oh, golly, I don't know. So I just thought that was interesting that he yeah, yeah. also wasn't buried there because he was a poet, but later people obviously were. But also, he would have he would have been moved to there, right? If the building was built 200 years after he lived. Mm. Well, it's similar with... I mean, so they, they say things here like, um, burial or commemoration at the Abbey does not always occur at or soon after the time of death. Lord Byron, for example, whose poetry was admired but who maintained a scandalous lifestyle, died in 1824 but was not given a memorial until 1969. I mean, that's what happens when you have a scandalous lifestyle. Yeah. Um, yes, thank you. I, th- I, thought, I thought that might slip through <laughs> you there. You thought you got away with it. <laughs> I, had a, I had a lecturer at, at university who was absolutely head over heels in love and obsessed with Lord Byron. I don't think I've ever read any of his stuff. I have to admit. It. Oh, he's pretty, pretty groovy. Um, and and uh, what? How do I say? Maintained a scandalous lifestyle is absolutely true. 
life Skyle. Thank you very much. Excuse me. Sorry. I mean, I better know him as he was. He was the dad of of Ada Lovelace, who was like one of the founders of computing. So, like, I actually know more about, way more about her than I do about him, even though he's supposed to be the famous one. <laughs> now, most excitingly, and I think I might have mentioned him. Oh golly, hang on! I just scrolled past his name, and I got all, I got all gooey. Yes, there he is. So there is a floor stone dedicated to, or in memorial of, John Clare. Now, I think in in maybe four or five episodes ago, I mentioned John Clare. Um, well, I can't him... remember. Well, if not, I'll 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 give a I'll give a brief a brief little digression on 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 Clare. Um, I'm a big fan of In Our Time, mm, the yeah. BBC podcast. Um, and there was a fantastic feature about this about this poet called John Clare, who I hadn't I hadn't really come across. And he was known as in his day by his contemporaries, although they weren't contemporaries because they were really awful and horrible to him, um, as the poet peasant. Uh, right, um, okay. He was an English poet, son of a farm labourer, who became known for his celebrations in the English countryside and sorrows at its disruption. Um, he's, he's what considered... time period was this? Sorry. He was born in 1793 and died in 1864. Right, okay. His biographer, Jonathan Bate, called Clare the greatest labouring class poet that England has ever produced. No one has ever written more powerfully of nature, of a rural childhood, and of the alienated and unstable self. And having listened to this really fascinating episode on John Clare, um, I am con- I'm dedicated now, whenever poetry is in up for discussion for me to kind of sing his praises because I think he is amazing and before we started the podcast I said that I was just going to quickly go and grab a couple of books off the bookshelf um, because I knew that poetry was up for discussion so I think it would be fitting if it's all right with you I might read a bit of Claire yep hang on uh where's the where is the mute button on discord that's lovely that's really right yeah yeah as you were mate you carry on Super duper. Um, now then, let me just find. I'm I'm currently leafing through my Norton Anthology of Poetry fifth edition, uh, which is a wonderful tome, and I need to go to page eight hundred and ninety three. How many how many pages do you would you guess this anthology has, Simon? Sorry, can you oh, say that again? Right. I've muted he's, you. Uh, he's muted. That's right. Yeah. Um, I was going to say I'm leafing through my Norton Anthology of Poetry. And I was going to ask you to take a, a wild stab in the dark at how many pages this anthology has. Uh, it's poetry. Poets are really wanky. And they do like to go on. Uh, I'm going to go with 1,350. Well, if you, were, if you were to say 1,350, you would be wrong. Right. Um, not including the section at the back of biographical information. Um, it well surpasses 2,000 pages. What?! Yeah, um, and it's amazing because it's one of those books that's printed on paper like a Bible. You know that really incredibly thin yeah, paper yeah. To, to fit it all in. Uh, right, John Clare, eight hundred and ninety-three, three hundred and ninety-four. What is it? What is it on page three hundred ninety-four? Is it werewolves? Yeah, and certainly in in uh, in HP it is. I don't know what it is in here. No, yeah, yes, that's what I'm about. <laughs> oh, just pick a random page in the poetry uh, anthology. Yeah, tell me what's on that. Okay. We've got some options here. They're really good. I'm going to go with the options are Gypsies, First Love, and I Am. And I think I'm going to read I Am because it's I think it's my favourite. Is um, it the shortest? 
you can't go wrong. It is, yeah, three short stanzas. It'll probably take... Right, as, as, as long as it's the shortest, then you go for it. I love poetry. <laughs> it's just a beautiful thing. And any ridicule for it I, I get, makes me very upset. Right, so this is I Am by John Clare, who has a memorial stone in the floor of Poets' Corner in Westminster Abbey, which is why it's relevant, because that's what I've got for the podcast today. I am. I am. Yet what I am, none cares or knows. My friends forsake me like a memory lost. I am the self-consumer of my woes. They rise and vanish in oblivious host, like shadows in love's frenzied, stifled throes. And yet I am, and live, like vapours tossed. Into the nothingness of scorn and noise, into the living sea of waking dreams, where there is neither sense of life or joys, but the vast shipwreck of my life's esteems. Even the dearest that I love the best are strange, nay, rather stranger than the rest. I long for scenes where man hath never trod, a place where woman never smiled or wept, there to abide with my creator, God, and sleep as I in childhood sweetly slept, untroubling and untroubled where I lie, the grass below, above the vaulted sky. You know, if you think about it, when you clap something, it's just that you're hitting yourself so much because you like something so much. Yes. Just just random thought there. Yeah, that was lovely, mate. Um, crack on. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, that was lovely. I, I very much enjoyed that experience. Thank you, Dan. That was great. great. John Poetry's... Clare, if you don't know him and you're interested in poetry, read some John Clare because it'll blow your mind. It's just not my bag. You know, it's it's not my bag, baby. I, I just, I mean, perhaps I've just read all the wrong poetry, and I've read quite a lot. But yeah. I think you're reading the wrong poetry. I think everyone has a has a poetry bag. You've just got to find what bag yours is. There's the quote from Paul Dirac that I do think sums up quite nicely. That um, what is it? It's that in physics, the concept, the idea is that you take as complicated as concept as possible and render it as simple to understand as possible in poetry you do the exact opposite which i don't th- i don't think that's true at all i think that's an incredibly linear reading of what poetry is and i think it's probably true of somebody trying to <laughs> trying to equate poetry with physics or at least summarize them succinctly um, i mean to, uh... but th- this is paul dirac who was famously a human robot so <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know Right. Well, I'm going to make I'm going to make it my mission to find you a poem over the next week that I think you'll enjoy. And it won't be peak English pastoral renaissance because that's what I like. It will be something utterly different and I think you will like it. Okay. I mean I, I'm open to the idea. I'm open to the idea. Let, let's just Good. say that. Um okay, right. So 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 going back to poets corner then. We've had yes. that little diversion. What else can you tell me for the wiki or have we exhausted it already? I think aside from C.S. Lewis was commemorated in 2013 and Philip Larkin was commemorated in 2016. That's the kind of the two most recent so, things that have happened otherwise. Is there um is there like a really lengthy procedure then to get yourself a memorial in there? Is it a bit like canonization? You know, it, it, that's just such a long time between the poet's death and the poet being remembered. That that the, the, what is the process of getting yourself a memorial there, you know? I'd be I'd be really interested to know what the process would be to kind of pitch for 
a memorial. <laughs> and I don't know who would make that decision, whether it's whether it's down to the the dean of the abbey. Um, maybe. Maybe. But I don't I don't know. And frustratingly, there isn't anything on the Wikipedia page about that process. I imagine if you went onto the um onto the Abbey website it would give a bit more information. How do I get a memorial in Poets Corner? Let's just shoot for the moon. Uh Vaughan Williams is there? So okay, it's really artist corner then. It's people that make art. Well, in fairness, in this particular section, elsewhere in the Abbey. Poets oh, and writers commemorated, okay. commemorated elsewhere in Westminster Abbey, but not in Poets' Corner proper. The other, I'm just I'm looking up this article of the Guardian to see if there's information about how you, uh, you know, get yourself a plaque. Uh, Larkin is actually buried in Hull, no near Hull. Beg your pardon, Cottingham Municipal Cemetery, which is so where Larkin would end up. Um, mm. uh, but uh, no, it doesn't say anything here about how you get yourself. A memorial like who decides i would say it's probably it's probably up to the dean and chapter being pitched by someone or maybe by royal appointment too so for instance there are quite a few poet laureates you get tapped on the shoulder there yeah. by the dead yeah. person you're like oh god we'll do whatever you want they're like just let me rest there's a page on the westminster abbey website says edmund spencer is there yeah who was specifically requested to be buried near chaucer <laughs> So, like, he obviously had his reputation in mind. Ah, here we go. The deans of Westminster decide who receives a place based on merit, though they consult wildly. Widely, even. They consult wildly. They consult wildly. They go and, they go and chat they, to some toddlers in the nearby park. No, um, they, they, they smash down a door and they're like, Do you think J.K. Rowling should get a memorial? Yeah. <laughs> like, answer me! <laughs> Grabbing people by the lapels. There's a great little sentence here that I've missed that I'm just going to say. The area also houses the tombs of several canons and deans of the abbey, as well as the grave of Thomas Parr, who, it is said, died at the age of 152 in 1635 after having seen ten sovereigns on the throne. What, did he stack them on top of one another to make, like, a little coin pile? Yeah, it's like, um, like Jenga. Aged 150... If you go to <laughs> old Tom Parr, Thomas Parr, was an Englishman who is said to have lived for 152 years, and on his... <laughs> On his Wikipedia little profile thing, um, on the right hand side of the screen, born. I'm looking at the yeah, okay. <laughs> just mad. De- died 13th of November 1635, aged 152. They've just kind of gone. Oh yeah, fine. Yeah, but we'll, fine. we'll just take it as yeah. Why not? Look at the, the great. If I would encourage, there'll be a link in the show notes, and I'd encourage people to Google this. Thomas Parr, old Thomas Parr. The picture of him that they've gone for is also fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> like. There's, it just communicates a, a immense age because he looks like a potato with a beard. Yeah, <laughs> like that's kind of amazing. Wow. Oh wow, physician William Harvey, who was the guy that uh, worked out that the, the heart pumped blood. Uh, he existed and even th- wrote uh, on his sorry fare, living from his home, free from care, did this poor man attain such length of days, um, where he ate sub rancid cheese and milk in every form. Coarse and hard bread and small drink, generally sour whey. What? Wow. That's not worth it. That's what absolutely not worth it. What a life. That's the way to do it. Well, at the death of his first wife at the alleged age of 110, he married Jane Lloyd, a widow, at the alleged age of 122. They lived together for 12 years, with Jane commenting that he never showed any signs of age or infirmity. Oh, God, like he, lucky he, Jane. He, he f- 
that's a hundred and twenty year old man that fucked. <laughs> that's wow. That's well, quite if anything's going to keep you going, I imagine it's um, I imagine it's that his his memorial in Westminster Abbey just has like a little monolith, monolith in the middle. <laughs> old hard Tom Parr. Wow. Uh, wait, what? Okay, so William Harvey did the autopsy on him, and the results were published in the book. Oh God, De Orta de Natura Sanguinius. Uh, rip. Uh, Harvey examined Parr's body and found that all his internal organs were in a perfect state. No apparent cause of death could be determined, and it was assumed that Parr had simply died of overexposure because he'd been too well fed. It sounds like he's lived quite quite an extraordinary life. A modern interpretation suggests that he was probably less than seventy years old. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Well, he's done. He's done well for himself. Old, John. Old hey, what was the name of the poet that you were talking about? John Clare. C L A R E. John Taylor wrote a poem about Parr uh, called "The Old, Old, Very Old Man," or "The wow. Age and Long Life of Thomas Parr." That's that sounds like poetry comparable to the immortal William McGonagall. Do you know about William McGonagall? No, I don't think I do. He's, con- he's considered the worst. He. Um, he inspired the name of Minerva McGonagall in the Harry Potter books mm. um, because William McGonagall is considered quite possibly the worst Scottish poet of all time. <laughs> okay, can we please um, get f- good poetry down? I want to hear a reading of, of McGonagall. He he famously he wrote over he wrote about two hundred poems, including the Tay Bridge disaster, and this disaster was a bridge falling down, and the number of deaths was seventy five, not ninety, as stated in the poem. So we got that wrong. He wrote a poem to commemorate the deaths of people at a bridge, and he got that. He was incorrect. <laughs> yeah, so here we go. The Taybridge Disaster. This is what the Wikipedia article says. The Taybridge Disaster is a poem written in 1880 by Scottish poet William McGonagall, who has been recognised as the worst poet in history. The poem, <laughs> the, the poem that, recounts I the, want that on my Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. The poem recounts the, the events of the evening of the 28th of December in 1879 when, during a severe gale, the Tay Rail Bridge at Dundee collapsed as a train was passing over it with the loss of all on board. The poem is by far the most famous ever written by McGonagall, and it is still widely quoted. It begins... I'm going to read, I'm going to read the, this first bit, and I will okay. have to do a really dreadful Scottish accent to do it justice. We'll put some terrible music underneath it as well. <clears throat> Here you go, William McGonagall, worst poet ever, ever. Uh, ever. Beautiful railway bridge of the Silvery Tay, alas, I am very sorry to say that 90 lives have been taken away on the last Sabbath day of 1879, which will be remembered for a very long time. <laughs> Please keep going. Please, I want to hear more. I, this is my kind of poetry, Dan. We found it. We Brilliant. found my kind of poetry. Right, it goes on. Oh, ill-fated bridge of the Silvery Tay, I now must conclude my lay by telling the world fearlessly without the least dismay that your central girders would not have given way. At least many sensible men do say, had they been supported on each side with buttresses, at least many sensible men confesses. For the stronger we, our houses do build, the less chance we have of being killed. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, <laughs> oh, it's a great line here. After the original bridge collapsed, a new one was built, providing the opportunity for another poem, which begins... Oh, no. 
beautiful, beautiful new railway bridge of the Silvery Tay, with your strong brick piers and buttresses in so grand array, and your thirteen central girders, which seem to my eye strong enough all winds, storms to defy. Your thirteen central girders. <laughs> he's a he's a he's a fascinating man. There's a great line. Where is it? I think. I I must I must find this because it's 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 um it's basically he 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 recalls the moment when he realizes that his true calling was to become a, a poet. Oh right, I've just got on his Wikipedia article, Dan. Wow, we've yeah. actually talked about Wikipedia for a really long time today. Just saying. Um, so I just William McGonagall's Wikipedia page starts with um w- William Topaz McGonagall was an Irish weaver, poet, and actor who lived in Scotland. He won notoriety as an extremely bad poet who exhibited no recognition of or concern for his peers' opinions of his work. But extremely bad poet is a hyperlink, and if you go on it. Um, it takes you to the Wikipedia page for Potaster? Potas- oh, Poet... Now, this is really interesting, and I know where this word comes from. Poetaster? Is that... Poetaster. Poetaster. As- Aster is is a... Um, I, think it, I think it has origins in, like, Tudor English. Um, right. As basically, you can add aster to any kind of profession to make it basically so if you if you were a philosopher you'd be a really really crap i'm a um, vloggeraster that's yeah i found the word that's the word i've been searching for this whole time to describe what my job is or simply a weather forecaster Oi, weather forecaster yeah wow oh that, that what? god we're, dad we're talking about wikipedia what? we're learning things today how we're learning how, Ugh. how mad is this were you looking Good up Lord. something to do with McGonagall, by the way? I was trying to, but I don't think I can find it. Okay, well, we'll have to lay... In which case, Dan, we're going to have to lay that your search to, to rest, rest yes. for now. But oh, I, I feel like if there is enough demand, and you please send us an email if you'd like to hear it, but I would want Dan to do an entire reading of the Tay Bridge disaster, if we can get the whole text, because... Oh my god! I I want that in my life. I really, really want that it's, in my life. It is a it is an incredible thing. Oh, the, oh, here we go. The whole the whole um, text is actually on Wikisource. <laughs> and so the train sped on with all its might, and Bonnie Dundee soon hove in sight, and the passengers' hearts felt light, thinking they would enjoy themselves on the new year, with their friends at home they loved most dear, and wish them all a happy new year. <laughs> It's just, it's just dreadful. I mean, the, the, it's, it's more often than not half rhyme. There is no oh, consistency it's... in meter. Um, it's my favourite is that, at the end of the first line, on the last Sabbath day of eighteen seventy nine, which will be remembered for a very long time. It's, it's just awesome. really, it's just, he didn't know how to end it. He's like, ah, oh, well, you know. It do. was the, uh, where was it? The, the last one, like. Uh, it's like a rhyme within the middle, which is also awful. Uh, oh, no, oh, right, never mind. Well done, we've wasted enough of our readers' lives, uh, as is. But do you have a very quick choral piece of the week that you'd like to share with the group? Do you know what? Given given that I subjected everyone to poetry and I can't immediately think of a choral piece this week, I think the poems will have to suffice. I am afraid to say. <laughs> yeah, indeed, yeah. I would, I'd like to make it very clear, though, my... my my preferred poem of the week is John Clare, not the not the the monstrosity <laughs> by by William McGonagall that should be remembered in its own right. But I, I love it. But, 
I, that's what I want. I, I, that, that's my favorite poem. That's that's our Perfect. poem of the week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that I'm glad that you're loving poetry. That's the important thing. I can't believe it only took us like 30 minutes to find my favorite poem in history. <laughs> yeah, it's one less thing I have to do next week. And out down very briefly, I want us to go to Critics Corner uh, because sure. two things have happened recently. Actually, three things. I'll do them in order of ascending importance. Um, I'd right. just like to briefly critique. Firstly, um, I have started playing Overwatch with the admins from our community uh, and Rez in particular, who is an absolute murderer. Uh, if he ever gets his hand on a weapon, I am running. Uh, his mm. aim is incredible. Uh, but also Danvi and Captain Reed. And it's been really fun. I don't, have you ever played Overwatch? I haven't, no. Because obviously it's Blizzard, so you, yes. the, it, you know I feel like you'd probably enjoy it. I, I, have you ever played like F, sort of team-based FPSs like that before, like Team Fortress or anything? Yeah, I've played. I've played Team Fortress. I think I'd probably really enjoy Overwatch because it's an FPS that is keyboard and mouse based, yeah. and I can't. I can't play an FPS if it uses a controller. So well, maybe I ought to try it. You should try it. You should. You should get it and and hop on our Discord. And we've been doing like l- lunchtime sessions, or I've, or I've been playing Rocket League and more recently a bit more Overwatch. But it's really fun. Uh, I've been for those of you who are Overwatch fans at home. I have been playing Mercy as uh, support, and I have been playing uh, Reinhardt as tank, and I am terrible uh I'm, I'm getting there with mercy though i'm getting there um the next i'm really thing... i'm really keen to get into rocket league as well actually i need to get one of my one of the playstation controllers back from a friend because oh, so, it's, it's it. cross-platform um matchmaking isn't it i think i believe so yeah i think um it is rocket league is the most game i've ever played and it's really fun but, but i it's so frustrating i need to get myself a controller oh it's a new month i've paid myself i can get a controller yes anyway um the next thing I wanted to critique was we now have a new member of our family. Uh, we are oh, now sharing the house with Team Cat fans rejoice. But we have Jasmine in the house. She is a 17-year-old wonderful girl um, who permanently looks dumb. She just has like, imagine capital D letters, but the the uh, the curved surfaces underneath and they're flat on top. So she's just looking at you with those eyes the entire time as if to go really you're, you're what doing is the that? average age of a cat at 17 seems very old it, she is very old and and basically we're getting her as a test uh because i really wanted a cat and pixel girl was not so keen and i was like look uh she's she kind of relented in the end i was like well look let's get an older cat and mm. um that way if it turns out we're terrible pet owners or and we just we 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 can't take care of it it alters our lifestyle too much then it's like a year or two of commitment and it's not 20 years but as has been the case, as I knew would be the case, she has fallen head over heels in love with Jasmine. Um, her one rule was that the cat wasn't allowed on the bed. It wasn't allowed in the bedroom at all. And then yesterday, mm-hmm. I came in the bedroom and she was lying in bed on her laptop with Jasmine next to her on the duvet. And she was like, I I caved. She's so comfy. Um <clears throat> So she's she's just fallen in love. We've both fallen in love with her. Go and check out my Instagram people at home. She she's my entire photo reel now is just pictures of this cat, um, and she's wonderful. Uh, it's like having a child. But the big thing, so so basically, the criticism there is cats are great. Cats rule. Dogs drool. Literally, actually. Um, but of course, uh, the other thing I should I should be critical of is um, getting engaged. Congratulations! 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 It's ah yes, 
It, I'm surprised. It, I'm surprised you didn't open with that. Actually, well, but... ascending importance. You've got to keep the people waiting down. So yeah, um, yeah. I, yes, I've been playing Overwatch, and yes, we've got a cat. Arguably more important. But yeah, uh, I finally popped the question to Pixel Girl. There is. Uh, I actually told the story on Twitch. Uh, there's a, there's like a highlight that's on my Twitch profile if you want to hear the story. Um, but uh, yeah, I designed a ring for her, which I've had in my possession for about four or five months. Uh, and has been burning a hole in my... Well, there is a whole story about her finding the box and thinking it was a ring and I had to do a fake out and switch the boxes. But did yeah. you design a few? Did you design a few others for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone? Well, the thing is, I did design her ring to be very much like the three elven rings. That that mm. is very much Tolkien esque. Um, yeah. So I actually had a great. I, I really enjoyed the process of designing it. Like the way that they made it was really interesting. The fact that I basically sent sketches over to this guy who's a jeweler, a friend of a friend, and he made a CAD CAM model, like a three D model, and then mm. he could three D print that model in wax which then acted as like a prototype. So he could show me this thing. Mm. This is, you know, what it's going to end up looking like. And then when we agreed on the final design, he pr- 3D printed it in wax and then used that to make a mold that he then poured the gold into. Mm. So it was kind of a 3D printed ring, but not, it was like just a step removed, um, mm. which I just thought was really interesting. You know, as, as somebody who finds metallurgy and all the stuff that how to make everything does, you know, the, the, yeah. that, that basic kind of technology, I, I, I find that really interesting. So yeah, but yeah, as an experience, I got to say it was pretty nerve wracking having this thing in my bag the entire time we were doing this walk, our, our, our like fifth anniversary walk that we were doing together and how, and you know, like the, the seconds counting down to, I was like, well, this is the moment. This is, mm. this is fine. Um, and then just kind of, you know, I feel like whenever you make a big scary, you're going to do something big and scary. There's just a moment where, where it's almost like when like a shark bites and it rolls its eyes back into its head. You mm. kind of mentally do that. You're like, it's almost like you're not in control anymore. You're just letting your body do the thing and you've kind of yeah. switched your brain off. Like that's what it felt like. And yeah, it was uh, it, it was quite scary. But then also didn't stop grinning for the rest of the day. And and it's also yeah, been- I, I remember when I, I saw the news on various chats that I'm in and I, I freaked out. It was mm. a, it was a, it was the most wonderful news. In all of the horror that we've been dealing with in 2020, it, one of the nicest things has actually been being a piece of good news for our friends yeah. and everyone being yeah. like, "Thank you for this." Like, yeah, life is so sh- right now, <laughs> but this is this is genuinely lovely. Uh, and also planning the wedding—that's been really fun. Um, we basically are at a point where we're very close to booking a venue, and uh, we've already booked in a date in the chapel. Um, but we're looking because we want to get married in Exeter Chapel, and then we're going to do the ceremony either on campus in reed hall or mm. there is a venue just outside exeter um but we're looking at sort of we need to basically visit that venue to see if we prefer it which we, it is nicer but it's more expensive and also you can walk from the chapel to so reed hall for those of you who don't know is like a stately home on exeter campus um mm. and uh it's it's walkable from the chapel very easily and also the university can provide accommodation on site so people don't have to get taxis and it just makes life a bit easier but we're yeah. open to other possibilities but yeah i've got to say yeah planning a wedding has been more fun than i thought it would be it's, it's stressful but like so far i would recommend i'm sure that that position will change as time goes on <laughs> yeah yeah but that's my critic do you have anything that you would like to offer some criticism of dan um golly do i uh i don't know whether i do i've i've finally i finally nearly finished the western wind which is a book I'm reading, which is really seriously brilliant. So I'm quite, I'm enjoying that. So my criticism of The Western Wind by Samantha Harvey is that it's very good. 
Hmm. I'm currently working my way through, and this is no word of a lie, Catholicism for dummies. <laughs> because I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get a bit more of an idea. I really don't know anything about the Catholic Church um, or any, anything about it in detail. Obviously, it's similar in some ways to the Anglican Church. Um, yeah, but with more because, gold and incense. Like, yeah, and, and and there's just lots of it's it's full on. But this this book is um, this book is amazing. In fact, it was sent it was sent to us by a dear reader. Peter Peter Stevens of Westminster Cathedral. Yeah, um, we have a reader in. Oh no, sorry, Westminster Cathedral. I was going to say if we had a reader yes. in the Abbey, that would be no, very close. But I think I did say to you, Simon, as well, that I received a package today. Yes, you did. So what? What is this? Well, if you can hear this, I can. I'm opening up. I'm opening up now, and I think it might be another book to accompany my my forays into trying to understand the Catholic Church. Oh golly, I can't open it though. It's really no, there we are. There we go. It's a little bird-like physiology. It's struggling. And it is a book by Alban McCoy, and it and its book is titled An Intelligent Person's Guide to Catholicism. So are you forwarding that on to someone? Yeah, I mean, it, can't, it clearly can't be for me. <laughs> the, I think the connection here is that Alban McCoy was... Uh, hang on, you can see here. He were, he had something to do with Fisher, Fisher House, Cambridge. Not Fisher Price, but Fisher House. That was um, where my mind home, immediately went. <laughs> the, the home of the Catholic chaplaincy to the university. Um, and Peter, who is a listener, um, uh, was at uh, Cambridge. So I think that's a con- connection there. Um, uh... But thank you, Peter, for the two seriously informative books. I'm the, the Catholicism for Dummies, as hilarious as it looks on the bookshelf, is seriously informative. It's amazingly well set out and written. And it makes it very clear for someone who doesn't have a clue. Um, I mean, I, I remember our friend Rose Spencer um who we used to sing with um talking me through uh this would have been the the tour chapel tour before you were in chapel choir but when we were in germany obviously that's very catholic um uh, in southern germany anyway um mm. and uh her explaining to me like we were sat in uh, weingarten basilica um or is it abbey i i, can't, I keep years later i still messed this up i think it's actually an abbey um and she was just pointing out like what different things were uh, that you don't get in a in a anglican church uh mm. which was yeah it's, it's interesting because obviously it is uh is it the largest denomination i assume it is of, i think of so it's got over a billion members i think hasn't it wow yeah so yeah worth learning about oh, yeah, yeah absolutely i mean it's just something that i'd like to try and understand a bit more so yeah definitely right well okay well gosh we're being pushed for time here dan we've been talking we too much about wikipedia on the Wikicast. i genuinely <laughs> never thought we'd have this problem <laughs> top lad and we find ourselves in patreon corner because we're running out of time uh in this episode let's just very quickly explain thank you for the money Anyway, on with the okay. show. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, Patreon is a way of keeping this, the show supported. Um, it pays for our hosting. It pays for stuff like uh, the charges that come for merchandise before, you know, like pre-sale uh, figures and stuff like that. Um, so it basically allows us to do this and keep you entertained and informed about stuff like who's buried where. Uh, as was the case in this episode um, yes. so thank you very much to everybody who supports if you'd like to support it's on patreon.com forward slash the wikicast and there are two tiers well there's two teams rather you can choose from you can choose to support team dog or team cat and there's top cat and top dog tiers which are five dollars each and um, team cat and team dog which are one dollar a piece so for the price of a single can of hang on I, I can do sound effects too Dan for the, the price of a 
can of soda, you can support the show uh, every month, or or for the price of for the price of a pint in London, you can support the show. So yeah, once every month, and, and it and it allows us to do this. So I just want to say a very special thank you to uh, the people who support Jasmine in the top cat tier. Uh, that you heard it here, folks. People who are top cats directly feed Jasmine treats. Uh, so I want to say a huge thank you to uh, Bendant, who's back, uh, Thomas Hill, Simon P, Jack Easton, Izzy Christie, Tom Withington, Nafi Iftikar, Christopher Betterton, Trustworthy Ginger, Kenneth Kuzmirek, Layla Medina, River Ward, Oliver Craigie, my god, she's going to get fat with all these treats, uh, Will, Jenis Humphreys, Rens Kirk, Oliver Burkhart, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, I just had a furball. Omar Miranda, Cole Mansfield, Princess Andromeda, Chucker Cat, Isabel Ostrowski, John Mannion, and the one, the only, Daniel Hanvik! Fantastic. I would like to say a massive thank you to, and and some some cheeky top dog so-and-so has changed their name tactically because they're trying to make me say something, and I will say it because I'm not petty. <laughs> However, I'd like to say a massive thank you to Lexi at Front Desk. If I change my name to Cats Are Better, Dan has to say it out loud. <laughs> Eve, Eve Sharples, Alistair Fortune, Samantha, Peter Reed, Maggie, Colin J. Brown, Codzo, Eric Davis, Ben McMurtry, Jay Wright, and Eric Bolliger. Thanks whoever, so much. Whoever that was, you're a hero of the Soviet Union. <laughs> so Incredi- good. Is incredible, incredible form. I have fully endorsed. If you want to sign up to Patreon with a, a joke name, then <laughs> please be my guest. We have an email here uh, titled A New Reader, which is quite Let's exciting. come on hand! <laughs> yes. Um, uh, the email reads, Dear Messrs. Clark and Moore, I have recently become a new reader of your podcast and have started from the pilot and I'm now five episodes deep despite having to hand in my master's thesis in three weeks' time. Good Lord, what? that's a, a potent combination. <laughs> By the time this person reaches us in the present, they would have their writing style would have changed. They will have Cthulian knowledge of yeah. the universe. Like, well, well this is going to be an, an interesting before and after snapshot. <laughs> I have been following Simon's YouTube channel for some time now and wanted to say thank you, Simon, for inspiring me to pursue my dreams, which have resulted me in getting a trainee position at the European Space Agency after the wow. summer working with satellites. That's pretty cool. That's amazing. We well done. Wow. We used to have a we used to have a neighbour who worked at. Um, the European Space Agency. I remember um, he kind of took us behind the scenes and showed us all. It was the, it was at the time where they were about to launch the, their first like laser, like propulsion powered satellite. Oh, and wow. I remember him described. He was describing it to me, and I would have been in year five or six at the time. As you know, when you see the all the ships in Star Wars, and they've got those amazing blue lights at the back of them that make them move. Yeah, we've basically done that with a satellite. And it was really cool. Wow. Oh, what wow. an amazing, what an amazing wow. uh, achievement. God, congratulations. congratulations. Listening, uh, listening to your podcast is pure joy and it feels like sitting down to two great lads and having a talk about everything in life. It's brilliant. My question to you both are, what would your thoughts be if Harry Potter, if a Harry Potter TV series would be made? And if so, any thoughts on who should play the, adventure, the adventurous trio of Harry, Ron and Hermione? Best of wishes um, to your well-being in these difficult times. Uh, Hassa Hansen, aged 60 plus 80, 24, backslash, frack, <laughs> curly bracket, 60 plus. Yeah, anyway, we get the idea. Wait, so hang on, are they over 60? I think you'd, I think you can, you'd can. you do a better job at understanding I mean, you said 60 there. plus. So, but also they don't specify a number of uh, what the units are. So that, that could be days or it could be years. I hope it's not years. Go. Otherwise that person is, well, we found old, old Tom Parr or whatever his name was. 
Wow. Um, so the question, uh, Harry Potter TV series. I I actually think if someone like Amazon did it, like with a huge budget, yeah. it could work. A la, a la Lord of the Rings. Exactly. But mm. it, like the, what they're doing with that TV series, it shouldn't be about Harry, Ron and Hermione. It should be set in Hogwarts. Maybe make it set between James Potter and Harry Potter. You know, that kind of, t- the intermediate time. Um, well, um, interestingly, J.K. Rowling wrote an incredibly short story. In fact, it's not really a short story. It was It's a couple of paragraphs. And it's young James Potter and Sirius Black running away from some muggle police on um, Sirius's flying bike. And it's it's like canon from J.K. Rowling. It's quite, it's quite good. I agree that it needs to be set, I think, in an earlier time. But the thing is, if anything's going to happen, I really would desperately... I don't want it to be a TV series. I'd want it to be JK's writing and that's it because that's as soon as things start to kind of cross platforms and 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 kind of art forms, it just all gets a bit silly and this is why Fantastic Beasts has frustrated me so much because they seem to be kind of retconning so much lore and changing things and making characters do things that I don't think they ever would, certainly not when these characters were envisaged envisaged in the books. So, I don't think I would want a Harry Potter TV series to be made. Are you there? Oh gosh, I think I've lost Simon. He seems to have, he seems to have vanished. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Old Man Down Podcast. Poetry. Gardening. Choral singing. Well, readers, it's just... Uh... It's just you and me. I hope you're well. I hope you enjoyed the poetry earlier on. That was pretty fun. Um, even the McGonagall stuff. And I take Simon's point that poetry isn't for everybody, but I think if you expand your horizons and and, and look up some old and new things, you'll, you'll likely find something that suits you quite well. I have next to me my Norton Anthology of Poetry, which is an amazing resource, but also Staying Alive, Real Poems for Unreal Times, which is a great collection, um, great collections of, uh, of, of poems with a really, really broad um, array of uh, contemporary writers. I will, I no doubt will be receiving a message from Simon shortly saying what's gone wrong, because he, he has now dropped out of the Discord call entirely. So I, I hope he hasn't suffered a terrifying crash or something. His computer, I mean, not, not himself. He can't drive, so we're all right. Uh, hello? Oh, oh, you're back. Yeah, sorry about that. There was a power Goodness. cut. Um, oh, no. Fortunately, Audition saved my audio. Thank oh. you, Adobe. Otherwise, we would have been talking for like an hour and we would have lost all of it. Everything. Um, so, yeah, weird. We just lost... That's the second time that's happened recently. We just lost power for a couple of seconds. Weird. Um, Did it trip your... um your your um Like, your electrics? Did all of No, your... it, I didn't actually have to do anything. I went downstairs to be like, right, I need to do with the fuses, and then it just came yeah. back on. Very strange. strange. So, yeah, there we go. So, I missed all of that. I can only assume that you agreed with everything I said. Yeah, let's just say that I did. Okay, cool. I'm sure that when I edit this, um, that will definitely be the case. Um, Right, so uh, we were in the middle of emails, weren't we? Um, We were. We were. Right, okay, so uh, should I I read one out? Yeah, why not? Okay. Okay, we have an email here. My eye is immediately drawn to it, called Cat Owner Drinks Sherry and Weeps by John Mannion, who is a member of Team Cat. Uh, It reads, Dear Messrs. Clark and Moore, long-time reader, first-time scriber. I have been... 
a years-long follower of Simon's videos after it got recommended to me by the YouTube algorithm back when I was still learning to crawl, back when it was still learning to crawl and being sick all down itself. I thought that he meant that he'd been really watching for a long time. Um, I hope the lockdown is treating you all well with ample opportunities to knit, solve global warming and get eaten alive by a swarm of caterpillars. Um, (laughs) I've been furloughed for nine weeks now at the time of writing and unlike what I've seen from the vast majority of my peers, I have to join Dan in enjoying a bit of solitude. However, it has come at the cost of learning something damning about myself. Prior to these events kicking off, I worked as a bar manager. Long hours, pouring pints, chasing repairs, and being the punching bag for the irate Karens of Edinburgh. Wow. <laughs> as such, I long chalked down a lack of productivity in other areas of my life to the fact that I was too busy. Then, I got 50 hours a week of my time back and vowed I would make the most of it. But three week Three weeks hence, as I awoke naked in the late afternoon, flanked by takeaway boxes and spooning a long empty bottle of Bucky, it dawned on me that my true character had been revealed and I ought to do something about it. After spending another 40 minutes weeping over an overflowing sink of dirty dishes, I began to understand the glare of pure shame my cat has been giving me the past few weeks. Long before the apocalypse, I made videos about booze as a general category. I was asked by a former employer to make a few product training videos, and once I was done with them, decided it was fun and kept it on as a hobby. With an excess of time, I've been able to put more time and effort into them as a project, and I've been happy with the results coming out of it. I recently spent 20 minutes just talking about Sherry, because I know way more about the stuff than any man in his late 20s should. It's likely nothing informative to Dan, as I would wager he can out-granny me with both hands tied behind his back. That's probably true. I do love I, a sherry. I don't even know the rules The rules of bull. I often joke to my colleagues that I'm the least successful gay man on the internet, as whilst the rest of my species are busy making a small fortune for a monthly <laughs> on OnlyFans, I'm just sending the hot pill. <laughs> the hot... <laughs> wow, that, that came out of left field very much. Um, I'm, it came out of nowhere, quite literally. Uh, I'm dissecting the hot bill of some obscure pale ale no one's heard about. Other pursuits in maintaining my sanity have included creating gut life, gardening, nice. uh, some forays into baking. I was doing some just yesterday. Uh, and after another algorithm, Mini Sick recommended a James Hoffman video trying oh, to up my home great. coffee game. They're so good. I love them. I've never heard of him. Oh, he's great. He's got an amazing pair of glasses and he's got grey hair. I basically want to be James Hoffman. I'll include a link in the show notes, everyone, so you can see Dan's dream being lived out in front of you. Uh, uh, Trying to up my home coffee game, which, let me tell you, is a rabbit hole I wish I hadn't tottered first into. That's going to be bleeped. <laughs> wow. Gotcha, John. The, that that was on a new line. Wow. I've never heard such colourful, florid language. That's you amazing. You can tell you're a Scot. Jesus. <laughs> The good first time goodness. I caught myself, the first time I caught myself waiting my coffee grind some days ago, I should be rightly detained under the Mental Health Act. I've kept you both for long enough, so I'll close by saying cats are the best animals. Thank you, and also to ask the rest of the readership about their own creative lockdown pursuits, whether online or not. It'll be fun to hear what we've all been up to as a community. As a parting gift, I also attach a link to said Sherry video and a picture of my cat hearing the news of the government's revised lockdown advice. The cat does not look impressed, but it is a very lovely looking cat. That's that's the look that um, Jasmine gives you of like really are you, are you kidding? Mm. Um, but what a lovely cat! And and I will add this um, I will add the Sherry video to my watch later list. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, me too. Uh, John's um, uh, channel is called John Drinks, and I'll include a link to it in the show notes. Um, you've been a long time supporter of the show, John. Um, so thank you very much for all of this. And yeah, wow, I look forward to watching that. What a, what a top email! Thank you very much for the colourful language. Top email. And finally, we have an email here uh, from Alex titled Dad Music and Dad's Music. Dear Messrs. Dear Messrs. Clock and Saw, 
I started I started reading the podcast during lockdown here in New Zealand and have been waiting till I managed to make it through every episode to send a correspondence. That is correct. I've listened How to every wiki How many people have marathoned the Wikicast recently? My That's God. insane. My lawyers will be in touch with a suit from, for compensation of my time, <laughs> emotional labour and brain cells. Uh, read the Dave Matthews Band. Uh, the reason you have heard of them as a concept, but none of their music is they are a common generic example of dad music. Basically, it epitomizes the sort of music where uh, that white American men listen to and are often trotted out as an example. See this link for further explanation. So the, the community and Parks and Rec are the two that I've yeah. been subsequently told. Yeah. Right. How about um, well, well, we're now back to dads. Favorite, favorite <laughs> band of the Wikicast. Incredible. But on the topic of dad music, let's talk about dads, the band, listening what? to you critique emo and math rock music was hilarious as they are some of my favorite genres of music. A quick note about emo music is it's commonly misunderstood to refer to a pop rock uh, of the early 2000s, e.g. Fallout Boy, Panic like at the Disco, romance, MCR. Yeah. Um, however, it more accurately describes a genre that started back in the 80s. It's a post-hardcore uh, general termed emotional hardcore shortened to emo basically emo existed as a separate music term then it co-opted got co-opted in the 2000s part of its style is dramatic dynamic shifts and abandoning the traditional verse chorus verse layout and challenging how lyrical components fit into songs this is what leads them to sounding like a beat um like a beat poem uh, over a guitar riff sometimes uh, basically trying to see how much you can funk uh, no fuck with music uh, while, um, <laughs> while saying deep sh- well there you are when you take with the music to the extreme and just put in random pauses, dynamic shifts and weird time signatures, you get math rock, which is which is a bust, an experimental genre that I absolutely love, even if it contains no mathematics. Why do I like this kind of music when it's so weird and kind of shit? Well, the lyrics are often a lot more genuine than traditional pop, and it has some of the values I vibe with that you would find in punk music, but with less aggression. These may sound a bit odd terms and uh, of quality to pick as my favourite music genre, but as I am writing to you, it goes without saying that my standards for audio entertainment is pretty low. <laughs> Sincerely, Alex, age 19 and 11 twelfths. Going to be 20 next month, send help. Well, happy birthday for 20 next month, which will be now this month? Yeah, presumably. Golly. Um, and, and Alex goes on to say P.S. since writing this out I've seen that Simon has tweeted a photo of a ring this can only mean one thing congrats on your engagement I'm sure Dan will make a wonderful flower girl <laughs> <laughs> I'm, um, uh, the joke's on you Alex I've seen my dress and it's amazing so. wow that's wow. Wow, quite something. Uh, wow what a way to what a way to close out correspondence so i should say that we do have very excitingly dan we do have chapter two of the podcast trials which is our choose Ooh. your own adventure Ooh. Uh, uh which is going to be coming up well, we'll have to do it next episode so in two yes. weeks time tune in for our, our, our choosing our own fan written adventure and we have still more emails but we, unfortunately we just need to wrap up the recording now but thank you very much everyone who sends in emails and do send in your thoughts we've had a few call to actions throughout the show so um keep them coming um but uh what, what have we done this week that dan this week simon that was a very uh fluid lead-in uh, it was very nice efficiency <laughs> we've been going for too long i've got to yeah. got to keep it speeding we um we keep it speeding cool yeah um <laughs> english why use many word when few word do trick <laughs> we learned about poet's corner simon yes um and 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 those who are memorialized um interred uh, or generally just hang out there like I did once when I visited. Um, we, we, we had a, a, a reading from John Clare, my new current favourite uh, poet, 
Um, and we also had a reading from William McGonagall, the worst, considered one of the worst poets uh, ever, and Simon's favourite poet. <laughs> Quite, yeah, I, I, I'm putting that down right now. My favourite poet. That was my favourite poem I've ever heard. Fantastic. We also had, uh, well, I, I critiqued a bunch of stuff, including, you know, getting married. Yes. Uh, which was a kind of a big one. Uh, and um, this was a, we actually learned some stuff today. I, which we really I, did. We I, really I, I apologise. I would like to issue an apology to uh, everybody at home who was subjected to it and who accidentally got stuff stuffed into their brain. Imagine Dan and I just basically trepanning you. And then squishing stuff through the hole, like with a, with Lovely. a single finger, <laughs> going a beautiful into your image. And 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 to wrap things off, we had a slightly alarming power cut, which thankfully was all okay. Uh, and we had some great correspondence. So I think all in all, aside from all the learning, a pretty uh, a pretty wholesome episode. Yeah, I, this was great. Uh, I, the power obviously tried to stop us, but it would it did not succeed. We will not let it win. Um, but that's all for this episode, though. Don't forget to subscribe to us on our podcasting service of choice. Join the Discord, and if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Your favourite good poem and your favourite bad poem and other thoughts on the show can be sent yes. to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And, and we'll, we'll see, see you next time. You know, it's a shame that we didn't end up talking about the uh, furnace corner in, in Westminster Abbey. What, what? It's the one that's at 90 degrees. Uh. <sighs> God, I just hate, I hate that. I hate this sometimes.